0: Welcome to Pep Talk with Grace. I'm Grace and every episode I bring you a short podcast with, you guessed it, a good old-fashioned pep talk. Each time we dive into a new area of life, business or career, something that we could all do with a little pep talk on. It'll be informative, practical and most of all a little bit inspiring. So let's jump on in. Oh, hey there, welcome back to Pep Talk with Grace. Here we are, it is so good to be back. We are in episode one and so ready to get started with what I'm calling season two of Pep Talk. But what is the number one thing that stops people from getting started with things that they're excited about or they're keen to try? That's right, it's imposter syndrome. So that is our topic for today, it's kind of timely. I'm using the term imposter syndrome as a bit of a catchy heading for a broader topic that maybe you'd call worrying what other people will think about you and what you're doing. So this is a timely topic, this is great to kick off this reboot of pep talk because here I am, I'm starting something that's new-ish and I think whenever in life we start something new 99% of the time the first thing our brain does is start doubting our abilities, making us feel like a fraud putting words in other people's mouths about what they're going to think, about what, th- what we're doing, like, people will judge me, I'm not good enough, people will laugh, I don't know enough to do this, or somebody else is already doing it and they're doing it better, I don't know what I'm doing, etc. I could go on but I'm pretty sure that you guys are going to know the drill because I'm willing to bet that you feel the same way whenever you put yourself out there too or you do or try or start something new or basically whenever you kind of level up a little bit and do something a little bit different. So Let's go back to basics to start with. Imposter syndrome is loosely defined as when you are doubting your abilities and you're feeling like a fraud. It's that feeling when you're in a situation like someone's going to find me out. They're going to realize that I don't know what I'm doing and they're going to kick me to the curb. This is something that's most often talked about in the realm of business and career But it can pop up in all areas of life, like you may have found that you have experienced it in the context of doing a new project like, I don't know, writing a book or starting a new blog or even a new Instagram page or something, having a baby or getting a pet investing or buying shares, all sorts of money things, applying for a new job is a really big one and also asking for a pay rise or a promotion in an existing job. I'm even going to put like buying a house in there because that's an intimidating process. Um, not that I do this very often but doing a show or a performance or even starting a new hobby. This stuff comes up everywhere in life and of course being a human myself i've experienced it uh i'm a human who's done a few things i've put myself out there a little bit and so it's something that i've come up across many 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 times um starting this podcast even is a really great example when i started pep talk back in 2020 i knew nothing about podcasting like I know you'll think I'm just saying this, but really, I knew nothing. And I don't ever listen to podcasts. That was the extent of my experience. And you better bet that this was quite an intimidating space to get into. Like, podcasts booming. There's so many people out there who are doing it, and they're doing it so well. And it's easy to be like, why should I be able to do this? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. What a total fraud. Like, this is going to be a disaster, etc., etc." This also popped up quite a lot in my sweet bakery days, like I remember so clearly when I was very early days and I was considering opening up our first cake shop, before that we'd just been online and I was going to get a bricks and mortar cake shop and I sat down with this mentor who I was talking to at the time and I so clearly remember describing to her how I just felt like I wasn't qualified enough, I wasn't I wasn't good enough to open a food space especially what I found especially intimidating was the Wellington food scene because it's a bit of a thing and I was like I am not in that scene I have no formal qualifications I've never been trained in bakery I've never been trained in business I just have this law degree that seemed completely useless at the time that is imposter syndrome 101 so with experiences like that tucked under my belt. I do have a few tips of things that I kind of tend to remember that I bring out personally in this kind of situation and I thought I'd share these first up before we bring in the expert reinforcements. So firstly, and this is something I've shared on pep talk before, but I always try and remember that people are not thinking about you nearly as much as you think they are. Humans are so inherently selfish and they are all starring in their own movie of their own life and you are just a bit character and they're really not focusing on you as much as you think they are they're really just thinking about themselves most of the time and it's always good to remember that quote by Eleanor Roosevelt which I've shared before you wouldn't worry so much about what other people think of you if you realized how seldom they do secondly I'll say so I always think and say hypothetically if we said okay yes people are judging you People are gossiping about you. People are wondering if you know what you're doing. It's true. They're being mean about you. They think you don't know what you're doing. So what? Like, really? So what? What happens? What is the effect of that? The fact that people think that? Because to be honest, it's really nothing. Like, the biggest effect of it is maybe a little dent in your ego. But beyond that... It really has more impact, practically speaking, on them than it does on you. Like, it puts negativity and bad stuff into their mind, not yours, or it doesn't have to, anyway. So, next time your brain starts saying to you, Oh, but what if so-and-so sees this and thinks I'm dumb and I don't know what I'm doing? I want you to literally say back to yourself, So what if they do? And then finally, when it's kind of like you're thinking, I'm not qualified to do this, I don't know what I'm doing, all of that good stuff. My main tip is to remember, wait for it, no one does. No one knows what they're doing all of the time, even if it looks like they do. Everyone's just really, really good at pretending. We are all just winging it, googling it, making it up as we go along, crossing our fingers and hoping for the best. And once you know this, I feel like it unlocks a bit of a freedom in yourself. So those are tips from me, but I also had a little bit of chat on this with the wonderful Lisa, who runs Move It Mama online workouts. So Move It Mama was on a Pip talk episode back in 2020, and Lisa is very open. She shares a lot of her journey with her members and her followers. So I know from being a member that she experiences imposter syndrome. I mean, don't we all? But I thought that she might be really good source of some tips about how she personally deals with it as well. So despite being years into business and 100% the definition of success, Lisa says that she still totally experiences imposter syndrome. I found it really interesting she talked about, especially when she first started Movement Mama, she started doing her workouts for free online. And then there became this point when she had to start charging for her workouts so she didn't have to go back to work. That point of being paid to do what she previously did for free was especially challenging in the imposter syndrome space, which I totally get. You can so imagine you'd be like, why would people start paying for this? Um, Especially because Lisa doesn't have a PT qualification. Not that it matters, but you know, bit of a double whammy of imposter syndrome. So I talked about this specifically with Lisa recently, which was amazing for her to talk it over with me. And I think that one super valuable thing that I took away from my chat with Lisa was that it really helps if you have a super clear focus and a really clear why behind what you're doing. If you really believe what you're doing it helps you have this sort of tunnel vision towards what you're doing and why you're doing it and it helps you kind of rise above and block out those feelings of doubt because you're like so what whatever I know what I'm doing I'm doing it stay focused stay on track and you know what you're doing and why you're doing it Lisa's other tip which I really loved was about being open so Lisa and her sisters, they share a lot in the movement Mama community. And sharing your insecurities and being honest and open with people about your experience and your abilities, not in a self-deprecating way, but just in an honest way, it kind of means that you don't need to worry about people thinking you're not the best ever, because you're not claiming to be. You are just being yourself. And actually, like Lisa said, being a little bit humble is actually a really attractive character trait. So, big thanks to Lisa for sharing those tips, that was fantastic. And if you haven't already, make sure that you head to at Sparkalon and find out more and join me, I do Lisa and her sister's workouts and they are amazing. So while we're talking all about imposter syndrome, I thought that maybe it would be a good time to bring in an expert for some tips. Jess Stewart is an author, a coach and a speaker, and she's an expert on imposter syndrome. Perfect. I slid into her DMs and asked her if she would share some tips from the experts in this space. So she jumped onto a quick session with me and shared some wisdom. We talked a little bit about what imposter syndrome is and then we covered a few of her top tips for overcoming it. So
1: let's take a listen to what Jess has to say. In a nutshell, it's this fear of being found out, as you rightly alluded to. It's the fear of being a fraud. Um, I don't think I'm as good as other people seem to do. I don't know if I can do this job, for example. It comes up in careers a lot, but... It also is an inability to internalize our accomplishments. And I think that's something particularly prevalent for us in Aotearoa in that we're quite modest and humble anyway and not conditioned to talk about our achievements. But if imposter experience is at play, we are also downplaying and waving away all of that, putting it down to things that are outside of ourselves and not due to our own capabilities. So it leaves us feeling like we're not as good as other people seem to think we are i think particularly with women when you think about for decades before now we have been conditioned to believe that we don't have a place in the workplace we aren't leaders we um our jobs are in the home and that we shouldn't be running businesses you know that if you go back 50 60 years that was the rhetoric and the stories that we were told and so there's a lot of hangover in that space that when women do run successful businesses and are at leadership tables there is that still that voice in the back of their head that is like should I really be here because you know back in my parents generation that wasn't a thing and of course we've all been brought up by people of our parents generation and and that is still around that that story. Schools of thought doing the rounds um, of late, you know, that a little bit of imposter syndrome might be good for us because it strives us to work hard. But where that becomes our undoing is that we work twice as hard as we need to. So in a world where we talk about burnout so often, our self-doubt and our imposter syndrome will often lead us to want to over-deliver, overwork, work twi- work twice as hard as we need to, to prove ourselves or to not get found out. And of course, that's where it becomes a problem. So it's kind of like most things that exist on a continuum. So if you think of stress on a continuum, being bored at one end is not helpful and being burned out at the other is not helpful and we want a middle ground. And this is the same. So to, um, being not doubting our confidence and being consumed by self-doubt is damaging for us and being too far the other way and being overconfident and overestimating our capabilities is also quite damaging so we're aiming for the middle ground which is where our confidence aligns with our capabilities and of course when that happens we're not suffering from imposter syndrome we're not having an imposter experience we are quietly confident we can still be humble and modest but we know what we bring to the table we are letting our imposter experience get the better of us. What we find is that that manifests in our behaviors. So things like I might not approach that client for a deal because I doubt if I can deliver on it, or I might not apply for the promotion because I'm not sure I'm ready yet. I might not ask that question or share this idea in a meeting. Um, and so that's where it's, it's less about whether we experience this self doubt, because as we know, so many of us do, and more about how we let it stop us or take control of us all about the, the practical strategies and that's the stuff that I teach and some of the ones that I keep coming back to some are a lot easier than others well that one of the easiest ones is just knowing what this is so when you have a label for something not only does it increase our awareness of it but it decreases its power so when we're next in a situation where we're feeling like oh, I don't know if I'm as good as people think rather than that being a reflection of reality we now know that that's our imposter syndrome at play and that's very different in terms of its impact and so being able to know that this is a state of mind and then of course one step further than that once we know it's a state of mind is being able to cultivate a mind that is more confident and two of the best ways of doing that where imposter experience is concerned is to know our strengths so that we can leverage them when we do things we're good at we are more successful and yet we are in a society where we are conditioned to compare to others conditioned to focus on our weaknesses, conditioned to try and fix what's wrong with us and we often overlook our strengths because we either don't know what they are, we're being too modest and humble (laughs) to acknowledge them or we've completely underestimated them because we find them easy because we're good at it and therefore we assume it's nothing special and that everyone can do it so know your strengths so that you can leverage them and the other part of that is to celebrate your success and again that's something in a very modest humble culture we're not always good at but if we can celebrate our success and acknowledge our wins what we're doing is we're building a portfolio of evidence in our brain that offsets that natural negativity bias that we have so rather than being obsessed with what we've done wrong or what we haven't got yet we start to even out that bias in our brain to look at the positives to acknowledge our successes and wins and therefore the next time we ask that question am I really as good as people think we've got some more evidence in the brain that suggests, yes, we are, we do deserve this job, we are running a successful business. We're all different, so it's finding something that works for you, and I say to people, if you're a journaling kind of person, writing these down is great, But even just being able to think of something, if it's part of your routine on a Friday afternoon when you're wrapping up for the week to reflect on, okay, what's three things that have gone well this week, Um, chatting it through with your partner or potentially the round the rooms that we do as part of our team meetings and everybody puts in something that's gone well this week. There's so many ways of doing this and none of them take a lot of time or effort, but all of them have massive impact. So for me, I have an icon on my desktop, it used to be a page in the back of my diary back in the pre technology (laughs) technology days Um, and now it's an icon on my desktop where any good uh, positive feedback I get from clients or if I've been in a magazine or anything like that I drag into this folder and each time I add to this folder I'm firing positive neural pathways in my brain I'm helping offset that negativity bias but I'm also building a place to go a portfolio of evidence so on my off days where I'm feeling out of my depth I go in there and that's all the evidence. That's all the proof that, yep, I, I can do this. I've got this. We're in a society where we have been conditioned to avoid failure at all costs and then to, to see failure as proof that we're not good enough. And so we think that to be successful, we have to avoid failure rather than the reality, which is all of the successful people we look up to and aspire to be have navigated their failures and that's why they've got to where they are. You know, it's how they've learned. And I always use the analogy of, of toddlers when they're learning to walk because that's something that you know you you don't ever see a toddler get up and walk first time and just have that natural ability to walk but Equally, when they fall over, we don't tell them that they're not cut out for walking and they should probably give up. It's, it's that, you know, you keep learning, you keep getting up and eventually you can walk. And I think if we apply that to, to ourselves and our own working environments, I um, use the confidence competence loop in my workshops to describe this. And I think this is a great way of seeing this, these two different pathways to success because what we think will happen when we try something new that we'll just succeed and if we don't then we should just stop trying whereas what actually happens is we try something new we make a mistake we learn from it and then we try it again and sometimes that repeats itself a few times until we actually get to success and it's the same destination it's just a longer route around and that is probably the path more traveled and yet we are hung up on this you know failure is bad if i'm failing, then it's proof I'm not good enough and I shouldn't even try. And I often use the um, analogy of my own experience and my first royalty check for my first book was worth less than $5 and it was from from the US. So it would have actually cost me more to cash it than it was worth. So I kept it as like this failure souvenir because there was so much I had to learn about the business side of book writing and marketing. Um, And that was a good way of me being able to, you know, five books down the line, make a much better job of things. But if I'd have stopped after that first royalty check and gone, okay, I tried, I failed, I'm just not cut out for this, I would never have got to where I am. So it's how we view failure. And when the narrative flips in that space and we see it as an inevitable part of being a human and a stepping stone towards learning what to do next time to make it a success, then it becomes less fearful and not something that we need to avoid at all costs, but an inevitable part of the path on the way to our success. The other thing that people often find useful is is having a mantra or an affirmation. So again, you know, this is, it's like a menu, pick what works for you, that you don't like everything on the menu, you wouldn't eat everything on the menu, but there'll be certain things that work. So try a few strategies, and you'll soon get to know what works for you. And for some people, it is um, affirmations and mantras. And I know for me, when I First, started public speaking I'm an introvert and I like to write books which generally is quite a solitary activity <laughs> and so when I started to get asked to stand on big stages and speak to hundreds of people about these books um, I was so far out of my comfort zone and I'd be so nervous my hands would shake my voice would crackle and yet I had this af- um, affirmation and mantra that I would recite before I went out on stage and so five minutes before I was due out you'd find me in the bathroom reciting over and over in my head, obviously, so people didn't think I was crazy. (laughs) I'm calm, confident, and capable. And i just use those three words and I'd say them over and over again. And eventually the person that walked out on stage looked calm, confident, and capable. And people would come up to me afterwards and say, oh, where did you learn to public speak? You're so confident. And inside I'd have all the nerves and the imposter experience going on. Who am I to be on this stage? I don't know what I'm talking about, all of that stuff. I'm not good at this. And yet that affirmation really helped me own that space um, to the point where, you know, I could allow my comfort zone to grow to the to now. It, it doesn't faze me. I've done it often enough that and that's part of this confidence, competence loop. You know, you learn by your mistakes and your failures and it builds your competence and that in turn builds your confidence and you get to that place of success, whichever way around, whichever path you take.
0: A big thank you to Jess for sharing her wisdom on all of that and please do head over to at Jess on Instagram or JessStewart.co.nz for more around the work that Jess is doing. And there you go, you've reached the end of our pep talk all about imposter syndrome. Quick summary of what we learned today. Firstly, remember that people aren't thinking about you nearly as much as you think they are. Plus, even if they are, say, so what? What if people are judging you or thinking you don't know what you're doing? What happens? Pretty much nothing. And finally, from me, remember, nobody knows what they're doing. Then, of course, we had some tips from Lisa, who said, know your why and believe in what you're doing because it will help you stay focused and not get derailed by imposter syndrome. And of course, the wonderful Jess shared some of her tips. Her tips were around celebrating your successes and acknowledging what you're good at. Write a list, talk it over, or just think about it. Build up that bank in your mind of things you can go back to where you'll remind yourself, oh, I do actually kind of know what I'm doing. I'm kind of okay. She also suggested you could try affirmations or mantras that you repeat to yourselves. And the point of that is that you're kind of trying to train your brain on what you really can do. Remember that in order to grow and learn, we have to fail. Treat yourself like a toddler who is learning to walk and give yourself permission to fail and get back up again and try again. And finally, like most things in life, this is a spectrum. It's not all or nothing. This is never really totally going to go away. And maybe learning to live with just the right amount of imposter experience is is actually a good thing for your success. Finally, I'm just gonna wrap up by saying, and this is something that I genuinely think, that if you're if you're putting yourself out there and you're worried about what people are gonna think of you, just remember, most people are going to be more impressed and proud that you put yourself out there and you tried something new, even if you fail, than judging you for failing. Because chances are, They've probably got something that they've wanted to try themselves and they just haven't had the guts to. So there you go. I hope that that helped give you a little pep talk all about imposter syndrome. And I hope that next time those little voices pop into your head and start freaking you out and telling you that you're not good enough, you'll remember to say, so what? As always, thank you for listening to Pep Talk. I hope you've enjoyed the new format we've done today. Make sure you head over to Grace and give me your top tips on imposter syndrome because I would love to share those as well. And of course, any ideas you have on what you would like a Pep Talk on in the future as well, please let me know. Until next time, bye.